this is Shonda Pearson. You're listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. Enjoy the conversation. It's going to be a good one. So I said, God, I've heard of you. And I'm into meeting people now, as you can tell. So I want to meet you. But here's the deal. If I meet you, I'm not going to tell anybody we've met because people will think I'm crazy. Six months later, my life just unraveled completely. God will do that to you. You better be prepared for your life to change. If you're going the God way, you better be prepared for your life to change. Thank you to comedian Shonda Pierce for the introduction. Shonda was hilarious on the last episode of On Faith's Edge and very transparent about her faith and life struggles. If you listen to the very end of the show, I asked her a very important question about her opinion on Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar from The View. She has two fantastic new projects out right now, Stand Up for Comedy on the Dove Channel and Laughing in the Dark. You can hear this very funny conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 62. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 62. Well, hello. Welcome to the 63rd episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today's show, uh, today's show, I have author, speaker, and NCAA record holder, Tom Thompson. Tom has a new book out called Kickstart, a story of overcoming life's obstacles to kickstart your future. Tom is a very successful business person and holds the NCAA record for the oldest person to score point in a football game. Our conversation goes from parting with Elvis to football to faith and winds up walking in poop. No kidding. Listen for what Tom has to say about bucket lists, quality of life goals, and core values. I think you'll love this conversation. I got to ask you, brother. Partied with Elvis? Yes, partied with Elvis. Not the partying that you might imagine, (laughs) but spent the weekend in Las Vegas uh, with Elvis and his group. No kidding. Yes. Kind of his entourage, huh? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting how we met for that to even happen. Certainly not anything that we tried to do. You're pretty good friends with uh, Chuck Norris, so, too. I've known uh, Chuck since 1970. And uh, it was really around uh, meeting Chuck that I got to, to meet Priscilla Presley, which is how we ended up spending that weekend in Las Vegas. So your story is pretty amazing. Your book, Kickstart, it's not a football book. Correct, it's not. Although you are a football player. Tell us about your football career. Well, um, it was innocuous at first. Um, I was just like anybody else, uh, tried to play uh, high school football, and that was even a bit of a challenge because I didn't like school. And you have to like school to be able to be on the field. And... um, so I ended up spending a lot of my time uh, off the field because of grades and um, ended up being an incorrigible and got sent to a military school. And when I got there, it turned out because of my grades at the previous school and um, the fact that I transferred from Texas to Florida, I had to sit out a year and uh, – when I was going to be able to play my senior year, I was going to be too old according to the rules. So I was too old to play high school football. 
And um, so I was going to go off to play college and had some scholarship offers, and my dad contracted cancer. And I made the decision to um, stay with him as opposed to go off to college and do all that while he was sick. And as it turned out, the fact that I did that, it allowed me to have eligibility to, to play now. And even though I've got three uh, college degrees, one of them terminal, I still had a year of eligibility left after the NCAA reviewed the situation. No kidding. Yeah. And you played for the Austin College Kangaroos. Correct. As a kicker. As a kicker. At age 61. At age 61. And you hold the record for? Being the oldest NCAA player and the oldest NCAA player to score a point. And you are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, my jersey is. I'm not. What an honor, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very fact, cool. Yeah. So tell us about Kickstart. This book was not the reason that I um, went to Austin College. I was going to um, write a book about when you, uh, if you maintain fitness throughout your life, when you get older, you can do this sort of thing. You may recall back in 2007, there was a gentleman named Mike Flint. Yeah. Okay, and he was 59, went back and uh, finished his senior year. Well, in reading his story, it made me think that, well, if you're fit— Maybe you can do that sort of thing. And uh, my other books are in health and fitness. And um, so I got with a co-author and said, what do you think about uh, writing a book on the premise if you maintain fitness, that sort of thing? And then while we were talking, so what do you think about me trying to go back to college and making a football team as a kicker? He said, sure, because it wasn't him. <laughs> and uh, so I, one thing led to another. I started um, – uh, email conversations with the NCAA and then with the conference Austin College was in. And uh, it was slow going at first. And uh, then um, they finally said, okay, you can apply, but we still don't have a uh, resolution from the NCAA. And after a few months, they said no. Mm. And we, my wife and I went, well, what are we going to do now? And I had set three goals that um, one, I, I wanted to help the team make uh, win a conference championship, and uh, I wanted to uh, make the team, and I wanted to earn a letter. Well, th the fact that the NCAA said no didn't stop me from those three goals because they made me a student coach uh, mm -hmm. waiting to see how the appeals would turn out. And that was, I was earning a year toward my letter anyway by doing that. And, and I was helping the team. Well, it, they finally came back that the NCAA said, yes, you have eligibility, but you've got to do an undergraduate year before you can play. So for 2008, I was a student again. So here, but that was good. Here I am I'm with a doctorate in undergraduate classes. And that showed you know the other students that you know you, you got to work for stuff sure so it was it was a good experience there and, and also helped me develop relationships with uh, the people there at school tom it had to be awkward going into a college level onto a college level football team let's face it you're 61 at the time you're you're you are surrounded by 
18 to 22 year olds, 18 to 25 year olds. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did you, how, how did you handle that? How were you received by, by the team? Joe, it was awesome. And I, I, I was fortunate to have had some preparation, if you will. Um, having not been in a football culture for 40 some odd years, I decided to go down to our local high school and ask the coach if I could go through their spring practice. Uh, much to the chagrin of my daughter, who was uh, a freshman at the time, she couldn't bear the notion of her white-legged old dad being out there with varsity playing football. But um, anyway, what I, I did was I showed up wanting to learn from the kicker there. And um, here's what I, I, I realized. Young people don't like old people to show up and act cool, young, and hip. They cannot stand it. But what they do appreciate is if you're just showing up trying to be the best old person and you're teachable. And teachable, to me, equates to a relevance. So anyway, I showed up at Austin College with that uh, model in my mind, was teachable, and it wasn't 20 minutes before I was given a nickname. And it wasn't the old fogey, pops, any of that stuff. Um, they took my first name, Tom, and how my last name sounds, Thompson, and put that together and called me Tom Tom. And when I hear it, it touches my heart because right. um, I, anybody that would call me that and, and from that era, well, we're, we're family. There are few things more endearing than a nickname from people who love you. Yeah, and, and, and I've got friends 40 years my junior that are texting me and calling me, and uh, you can't go out and, and work that up on your own. So, I mean, again, multiple blessings from, from this whole experience. You, your initial success came in the real estate business. Yes, in terms of uh, my own career, but uh, unfortunately, slash fortunately, uh, I inherited a large sum of money when I was 21 years old, mm -hmm. which really didn't mean much other than I, I, I learned how to spend it at, uh, at very fast speed. And, uh, and, and that in itself was a lesson, but it, it, I, I really didn't understand what it was to, to uh, make and acquire wealth and money and all that. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, looking back, I'm glad it happened then. I, I remember one time I was standing on top of a mountain in Aspen, and uh, I started seeing all these people that were in their 30s and 40s that were going through mid-life crises, and I realized well, this isn't that big a deal. I skied to the bottom and drove home because I didn't want to spend all my life to do what they're doing right there. Right, right, right. So... In your book, uh, Kickstart, you talk about the difference between a bucket list mm -hmm. and quality of life goals. Well, I'll ask you this question. Sure. Have you ever achieved a goal that you set and didn't really experience long-term fulfillment after you achieved the goal? Yes. Okay. Many people have. And I was curious as to what's the answer, why? And then this is what I believe it is. 
the goal wasn't set to our core values. If we just decide we want to go become an insurance salesman or we want to be a pilot or we want to climb a mountain, if it's not tied to a core value, it's just something you did. And quality of life goals, it doesn't just bless you, it blesses people around you. It's like I told you earlier, you know, here I am now, I'm, I'm still at the school coaching kickers and, and teaching and helping. And I mean, it's just, it just it wasn't about me. And that was another thing I'd also mention in this journey for me to be able to sit in front of you and talk about this. There were a lot of people that helped. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes bucket list goals are just you. Right. Stuff you want to do. Yeah, just you. When, when all is said and done with Kickstart, Tom, what, can, what change can people expect in their life after reading Kickstart? Well, uh, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I asked the question, uh, do you know anybody that wants to change their life? And there's quite a few that want to change their life. Unfortunately, they're not willing to change how they think. And you got to change that first. Mm. And I would challenge anybody to evaluate how are they thinking about things. And be open to a new way of thinking that would basically give you a vision and a sense of purpose for what it is, you know, you're, you're contemplating doing. And I wouldn't limit yourself just because time has passed uh, or uh, you feel like it's, you know, heck, I'm, I'm playing a game at an old age. And, well, heck, old people aren't supposed to do that sort of thing. Well, why not? You know, and so there's a why not that goes with it. But then, if, if once you've changed your way of thinking, there's something else that has to come along, and that is that you submit your will to that new way of thinking. And what that does, Joe, it gives you the best chance that you'll ever have for long-term behavioral change. The book is Kickstart. A story of overcoming life's obstacles to inspire you to kickstart your future by Dr. Emmett C. Tom Thompson II. Can we talk a little bit about your faith? Absolutely. You're, you're a Christian, right? Absolutely, yes, sir. How did you come to that decision? Well, quickly, uh, I was raised Catholic, and uh, by the time I was 16, I had become an atheist. And it was just because of the religious piece that I was exposed to. My parents were, my mother was Catholic. Everything had to, you know, fish on Friday and, you know, you had to go to church. I mean, if I didn't go to church on Sunday, I didn't get to eat dinner. And so uh, what I used to do, uh, kind of tells you how I got in trouble, I would go to the church and get the bulletin and go play football with my friends and go home and show my mother the bulletin that I'd gone to church. Yep. So anyway... Um, I had, um, just come back from having spent the weekend with Elvis, a lot of neat things had happened to me, if you will, to a 21 year old person. And I started going, Hey, this is cool stuff that's going on. And, uh, I, I know this will sound funny. I'm just answering the question though, but I started I started having a conversation with God by the uh, ground cover by my swimming pool. Uh, 
realized, and I'd seen in the movies that there was the burning bush, and you know, and somebody was talking to it and everything. So I said, God, I've heard of you, and I'm into meeting people now, as you can tell. So I want to meet you. But here's the deal: if I meet you, I'm not going to tell anybody we've met because people will think I'm crazy. Six months later, my life just unraveled completely, and um, it just—it was—it was just terrible. I went through a divorce and all sort, lost the money, everything, and uh, it was really beginning to seek God in a in a real fashion. But I didn't want the religiosity of what that was. I just wanted to learn the Bible, and I overheard in a conversation while out to dinner of a little church in Dallas that uh, it was one of the Dallas Theological Seminary churches mm-hmm. called Believers Chapel, and that's what they did. So on an Easter Sunday, on my own volition, I went to church, and the person that was speaking, his name's Doctor Ed Bloom, and he. Um, he wasn't like the general talking to the troops. He was like the corporal that had been shot at coming back to the foxhole to tell you what it was like. And it was right then that I realized why God sent Jesus, and I accepted him. And, and that was, you know, I'm 67 now, and I was 24 when that occurred. So, wow. Uh, and it, it's still, it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey from there because... I didn't understand anything about the spirit side of it. And I was in my 40s before that happened. Wow. So anyway, uh, that, that's what happened. Tom, I'm, I'm touched by, your, by what I hear is the simplest of prayers. God, I've heard of you. I like to meet people. And I've heard of you. And I think I want to get to know you. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, brother. It doesn't get any 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 simpler than that. God, I've heard of you, and I want to get to know you. And he showed up, man. Yeah, he did. He showed up. He sure has. In your walk with Christ as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, have you ever had a time where you doubted your faith or even the existence of God? Oh, sure. I mean, it, here's the thing that I've I've learned. When you have kids, they question you. They're constantly, why, why, why? And as they get older, you might as well get a big fishbowl and put a bunch of things in there where you don't have the money, there's too much time, whatever, and put it in the fishbowl. And when your kids come up and say, I want this or that, and, and, and you tell them, and they, and they didn't like the answer, tell them to go pick one out of the bowl because this is the way it's going to be. But the thing that, that happens, questioning God is, is what... Is really what he wants. How else can you talk to him and find out about him? You have to have that peace. And, and doubting, it's not so much, you're not doubting God, you're doubting your faith in God. Does that make sense? It does. And, and faith is something that, it starts out the size of a mustard seed, but then he's, it's his job, not ours, his job to make that faith grow. We get the notion it's up to us. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We're we're just we're we're just a vessel. Got to be willing. And we that's yeah, it. and that's true. God talks to people all the time, but you got to be willing to listen. I honestly believe that, you know, not not audibly, but it was impressed upon my spirit that I was to go play football. 
And, and if you ask people, they would say, you're nuts. You're crazy. What are you doing? And um, so I, being willing to listen is, is big uh, an obstacle as the doubting piece. Because you may not doubt, but you may not listen. Right. And, and the, uh, they, have, they have to go hand in hand. And I think Satan's all about trying to make things sophisticated and make things all, you know, real, you know, this has got to be this way or that way. And Jesus is all about, no, just come to me. Just show up. Amen. Amen. Finally, as we wrap up, Tom, mm-hmm. what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, about to make that choice to believe or not to believe in God? The first thing I would say is welcome to humanity. Uh, <laughs> because I don't care who they are, they're going to in some way, shape, or form be faced with that. And I personally believe if you give God the slightest chance to be a part of your life, he will completely remake it. Now, I want to make sure people understand that oftentimes you think, well, if I do that, he's going to fix everything. Not necessarily. If I can give a little analogy. Certainly. We're on this path. And as people, we see shiny things out over here to the right or the left. And we start walking that way. Not realizing we're walking out into, if I may say this, a field of poop. Mm-hmm. And when it's down by your ankles, you're still looking at the shiny stuff. But eventually that field of poop gets deeper and deeper and your nose is right here. And you go, help God, I'm in a field, you know, field of poop, get me out. He says, okay, turn around. And start walking. Well, you don't necessarily get it all washed off. It just kind of starts. And you can, you're still smelling the poop as it goes further, further, further back down. And I think that's another thing is God, um, he wants you. When I say the word tested, I'm saying that in terms of metal. You need to be solid to deal with the things in this world today. You can't be wimpy. Right. And, and I don't, I, I, I don't uh, begin to say that, well, there's one way for that to happen. But some things are similar. The field of poop thing is similar. And then the other thing I've found in life, anything that's worthwhile in life will cause you to quit at least once. Anything. Write it down. Amen, brother. You know, it's going to make you want to quit at least once. And then... In the beginning of a journey, it usually is more difficult because it turns, it determines in many ways the victory you enjoy at the end. So, um, God is, God is going to uh, touch that person that is just willing to listen and is willing to take a step. Wow, we have covered it all, Tom. We've covered everything from parting with Elvis. The Chuck Norris to to a record breaking field goal to a a to setting goals to fields of poop. <laughs> Fantastic. The book again is Kickstart, a story of overcoming life's obstacles to inspire you to kickstart your future. 
and it's a good one. Thank Tom, you, thank you so much. God bless you, you, brother. You as well. Thank you. Tom's book, Kickstart, is available on Amazon.com. That link, as well as how to follow Tom, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 63. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 63. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Tom Thompson for being with us today. And thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me. And you mean a lot to the show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 